This Easter series is about witnessing his resurrection. And there are certain individuals that did uh, connect with Jesus in the Easter story. So we're kind of visiting different uh, individuals and highlighting them. And today will be Mary Magdalene. Grace experienced equals a changed life. And she is one person who experienced grace at the beginning of Christ's ministry and stuck with it. She was, a, she was addicted to grace <laughs> and uh, was part of the group of women that supported Jesus in, the, in his ministry. A lot of women supported. You'd be surprised at the list. I have a small list I'm going to read for you. If you aren't aware that there is a list, we're going to highlight that today. I think it's fun to see things we didn't see in the scriptures or stuff we forgot about. That's always fun. Um, it's like the Noah's Ark. Did you know there's more animals that came on instead of two of every kind? Oh yeah, there, there, was, there was seven of the ones you can, you know, to, to provide sustenance. So there's, there's two sets of animals that came along. There's the ones, don't you touch these two. And I, I, I don't know how mosquitoes got in, but anyway. Um, there were seven of certain kinds. So just a heads up. You probably didn't remember that or didn't know that. But now you get to go look. Says, what? Yes, I love the what sense because... I want to find those little fun things. All right, Yahweh breath. I found this uh, this week and I thought, okay, I, I've been, I have many articles on this, but this was well written. And I thought, hey, this is a nice, short, concise way uh, to talk about Yahweh, Yahweh breath. And I think this may be the very thing some of us need today. And Rod, I forget what that was. If you can type me back what that toxic word was, I used a phrase that you wrote down. Uh, I'm trying to remember what that was. Um, but once you pop it up, I'll, I'll, I'll share it. But I think there's, there's a sense of um, crises of the mind, emotions that are worn out and exhausted. Our circumstances can really be hitting us hard. And honestly, what some people do, they, they run to a vice and sometimes it's news. Sometimes it's an activity. Sometimes it's um, uh, whatever, shopping, online shopping. <laughs> Don't drink and click, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, but the point is, when we have these stresses hit us, sometimes we, we, we're trying to avoid having to deal with it, and we prolong these stresses by simply avoiding. All it is is pain extended. So when I came across this, I realized, huh, Breath. What can we learn about Yahweh breath? And hopefully this will hit your heart and maybe it'll cause you to focus on Christ in you completely. There was a moment when Moses had the nerve to ask God what his name is. God was gracious enough to answer. And the name he gave is recorded in the original Hebrew as Yahweh. Y-H-W-H. Over time, we've arbitrarily added an A and an E in there and get Yahweh. No way. Yahweh. Anyway, just kidding. Presumably because we have a preference for vowels. But scholars and rabbis have noted that the letters YHWH represent breathing sounds or aspirated consonants. When pronounced without intervening vowels, it actually sounds like breathing. So a baby's first cry, <laughs> its first breath, speaks the name of God. Deep, a deep sigh calls his name or a groan or a grasp that is too heavy for mere words. And there are folks watching today, you've got that very same experience of, oh. 
Yahweh, you're speaking the name of God and didn't even know it. Crying out, your soul and emotions cry out with your very breath and you can't even put it into words because you can't even figure out what you're trying to say or can't even identify those emotions. Even an atheist would speak his name unaware that their very breath is giving constant acknowledgement to God. Likewise, a person leaves this earth with their last breath when God's name is no longer filling their lungs. So when I can't utter anything else, is my crying calling out his is my cry calling out his name? Being alive means I speak his name constantly. So it is heard uh, so it is heard the loudest when I'm quietest. Is that a, a good thought? Can my loudest cry be heard when I'm quietest? In sadness, we breathe heavy sighs. In joy, our lungs feel almost like they will burst. In fear, we hold our breath and have to be told to breathe slowly to help us calm down. Isn't that interesting? When we're about to do something hard, we take a deep breath to find our courage. When I think about it, breathing is giving him praise. Even in the hardest moments. This is so beautiful and fills me with emotion every time I grasp the thought. God chose to give himself a name that we can't help but speak every moment we're alive. All of us, always, everywhere, are waking, sleeping, breathing with the name of God on our lips. All of creation breathes the name of God, Yahweh. And you didn't even know it. Toxic frustration. Are you experiencing toxic frustration? Some are. I have in different intervals, and I need to learn to surrender that. And maybe that toxic frustration can be released as we breathe in and out the love of God. And maybe that toxic frustration will declutter, like leave our minds as we focus on being toxically in love with Jesus. <laughs> Redirect. I thought that is something for today, given what's going on. And I think Mary Magdalene also experienced that. She didn't, I don't know if she had the knowledge of Yahweh. She may have. She was Hebrew, right? <laughs> but what did she think? Mary. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 17 from the NRSVA version. For the love of Christ urges us on. Pause there for a minute. In, in the church world, in, in our religious up, upbringing, what urges us on often? It's like motivating sermons, a very enthusiastic youth leader, you know, uh, a very impressive campfire speaker, um, church rules, hey, do this and then God will bless you. The list is endless. None of those are the true motivation. It's the love of Christ that urges us on. 
Because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Now, pause again. How is this possible? How can we experience the love of Christ? Usually we'll default to our rules or our cubby holes of of activity and patterns that we grew up with because that's the most comfortable. And if, if we can't understand what the love of God is, then we're going to default back to our cubby holes and be trapped there until God knocks us off of our little chair for a moment, a crisis, and, in, and that crisis leads to a revelation of God's love. It's so hard to yield and tell people, learn to, learn to be loved first, and God loves you, and then live out of that love. It's so simple. But yet, everything, the system, does not fit this. Well, let's buck the system and bring the love of Christ into that system so the system gets a purge. <laughs> the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced. And by the way, that convincing comes from the Holy Spirit. You can't convince yourself. You can't say, okay, I believe, I believe, I believe. If I say it fast enough, long enough, I believe, I believe, I'm convinced, yeah, yeah. And then you hype yourself up, big breath, because you're about to try. <sighs> no, the convincing comes from the Holy Spirit who will allow you to believe something to be true. Now, it was long true before you believed it, but the waking up, the revelation, that's the Holy Spirit. That's really exciting. When you have that moment of, <gasps> That's cool, or whoa, I never saw that, or I knew that, I just didn't have words for that. That is the Holy Spirit. And that's exciting. That means the Holy Spirit's at work in you. Has convinced us that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Now, some people have said it's not really all, it's only some. I don't know where they're getting that from because A L L. Here, A L all. The same all, you can't, now I did a whole sermon on all <laughs> a number of years ago, but one has died for all, not once and for all, as in there it's a done deal, but once for all. It's different when you slow down a little bit and read it, you go, wait a minute, therefore all have died. Are we talking about just believers? All humanity, folks, doesn't make them Christians. It just makes them included. Very different. That we, don't, we don't have to create unnecessary stress. Some are not going to like that because they have the cubbyhole that it has to sound like this. I'm sorry, your cubbyhole, because I used to live there, uh, there's more to understand. And just because you can't see it or hear it quite yet doesn't mean it's not true. Find and seek. Why is it bothering you so much? Maybe God wants you to learn more. <laughs> and he died for all so that those who might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, this is a biggie, from now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view or the flesh, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer in that way. I like this one part from now on. Why would we not see anyone after the flesh or their ego or their behavioral patterns? Although in our culture, um, that's the most flamboyant thing. That's the first thing we see is, 
You know, Dave wearing a Hawaiian shirt, you know, when he wears that, that's Dave. He's the fun, relaxed guy, you know. But I'm not to see him after just that. I'm to see him after the all. That's the lens. Dave's in. You're in. And we see all as included. And that changes our lens of how we see other people. Now, that doesn't make it easy. There are people I can't even stand. Like, it's like, I I see them coming, I'll turn. I don't want nothing to do with them. God's still working on me too, you know? It's, It's not easy. And sometimes we, there are people we can't be near because it is toxic. Something has happened and maybe on this side of heaven, there's no way relationships will be restored. And that's okay too. It's not up to you to try and make it all happen. But when we see them, everyone included, see the light of Christ in them, see Christ in them, it will begin to change your heart and the pattern of judgment, of judging others, will diminish and become less and less and less. So if anyone is in Christ, the word if should be since, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. And this happened to Mary Magdalene. A new creation is the, an inside job that expresses itself on the outside. <laughs> Mary was the one person who fully experienced this. So, Mary Magdalene. Let's talk about who she wasn't first, because <laughs> um, there are some misunderstandings about Mary Magdalene that uh, need to be addressed. Now, I can see how this happens. When religious people, scholars, pastors, um, Freedom thinkers come together, ideas begin to flow. Oh, yeah, that's maybe possible. Oh, I never thought of it like that, that. That's a possibility. Well, suddenly that possibility becomes this happened. And it's like, wait a minute. Don't, don't you jump to something that could have happened as a nice idea to now this is likely what's happened. Now it has happened as in a misinterpretation of the texts. You got to be careful. She is not the woman caught in adultery in John 8, 1 to 2. Some people have said that was her. No, the scriptures do not say that. So don't project an idea that it was her. Some people can say, well, it could have been. Fat chance, but could. There's a lot of coulds. But don't make it an absolute. Be careful. There's enough in the scripture to tell us who she was and what she did. So... She's also not the unnamed woman labeled as a sinner in Luke 7 who anointed Jesus' feet before wiping them with her hair. Not the same person. I always thought it was. It's not. Because when you take a look at how she is remembered, at the very beginning of ministry, she wouldn't be the one caught in adultery because she'd already been healed of demons. And that idea of foot washing, she already knew. She was already a supporter. So, to me, it's not quite possible. She's also not the wife of Jesus. (laughs) There are some books and readings and even old, ancient, extra-biblical manuscripts that would imply Jesus was married. And the dogmatism of it, I can't go there. Is it a possibility? You got some work to do to convince me. I can't say no, but I, I see nothing that it's possible. I just don't. And it's not a make or break topic. 
It just isn't. There's too much other good stuff instead of diving into some of these little intricacies that deflect us from Jesus. Let's see who she was. Well, in Mark 16, we, this is one of the most common, and we'll, cover, we'll come back to the story later. But the women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. The most ancient manuscripts of Mark include verses 16, verse 8. Later manuscripts add one or both of the following endings. So, if you didn't know this, Mark has several endings. Some had been there in the, in the most earliest manuscripts, and then others were added. Where did they come from? you got to do your own history on that. Same with the book of Revelation. The last chapter, how much was added later? Oh, there was? Yes. A little bit. Just before you get all dogmatic about some of the, it says clearly and plainly and blah, 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 blah. Well, it ain't so plain. It's just not. So here's verse 8. So, This ending happened as well. Then they briefly reported all this to Peter and his companions. And afterwards, Jesus sent them out from the east to the west with the sacred and unfailing message of salvation that gives eternal life. Amen. All right. Then a longer version. After Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. Now, this is one of the references that points out to who she was. There's not much said about her. But she, was one, she had seven demons cast out of her, whatever that means. We're not going to get into demonology, angelology, and, and all that stuff because there are different ways to understand what demons and angels are and all that stuff. So just go with what the text says for now. And either way, she was set free and Jesus did it. And it was life-changing. Grace, Jesus, came to her and she experienced grace and she responded with a life change. And it happened right there. So she went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what had happened. We're going to come back to that a little later. Uh, Luke 8, 1 to 3. Soon afterwards, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Interesting. Reread that. Being cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa, I don't know how to pronounce it, and Susanna, I know that one, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. This is a super important text. For those that have, well, sickly enjoy this concept of women should not be pastors or teachers, you have some serious learning to do. You are in a box that has to be blown apart. If you've not studied any other ways with an authentic search for truth, you're just going to stick with your little cubby hole and you're just going to be annoying and unloving to women. Here we have evidence that women played a major role in the life of Jesus, being financial supporters to his ministry and being present. In the movie series called The Chosen, that becomes really obvious. I love that series and how the women are portrayed as more actively involved. And it's really well done. So what could Mary's perspective have been? 
So let's watch this video from the skit guys as they dramatize a conversation or Mary Magdalene sharing and looking back on her experience. If we can have the volume loud and listen carefully to what she says. I have been the object of disbelief my whole life. It greeted me as a child, this disbelief. And it helped itself to me, to my heart, marking me so deeply that, well, you don't know the level of repulsion people feel for you until you spend a good portion of your life not being looked in the eye. That was my life up until the moment Jesus found me. And what an unbelievable state he found me in. So we packed, we cleaned, and we gathered for three years, though it felt like only days. And then the time came. Well, until his days were accomplished and he did what he came to do. If you've walked a life anything like me, you know what I mean when I say that sometimes people try to put onto you what Jesus removed. He was only gone from us, what, a couple of days the first time it happened. That mighty, miraculous morning, I went to the tomb and he was very not dead. He called me by my name and he gave me very specific instructions. So I ran to tell the disciples what I had seen, that he was alive and they didn't believe me. I mean, had they forgotten that we stood shoulder to shoulder all this time? I may not be one of the 12, or 11 now, but I followed him just the same. But you know what? Their perception of me is not the image Jesus saw. I was no longer the cracked and crooked house that demons dwelt in, because the moment I realized Jesus believed in me, I believed in him. And eventually, the disciples, they'd come around. Jesus kept appearing to a few, then to hundreds. But even after all that, there would still be some who didn't believe. He warned us about that. But more importantly, there would be other people, many other people who would never see it for themselves, but still believe. So that's why I, why we keep going until we reach every person who once and for all is done with disbelief.
boy, to be in her shoes, to have coffee with her a year after, whew, that'd be interesting. Somebody who experienced the deepest depth of grace being set free from something tormenting. I think we have something to learn from her. In uh, John chapter 20, this is the story from John's lens of that morning. Early on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, because the Jews celebrated the Sabbath, which was Saturday. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, (laughs) and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. Remember, she was going there to put spices on and and have the just, just prepare an act of love and care and respect for the dead. And then she said, he's gone. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter. Boy, to be the author and not make yourself too obvious. I don't know. There's a bit of a... Anyway, I thought it was funny. (laughs) He outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him, and true to his nature, the fireball he was, I ain't stopping, goes in. And then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there. Listen to this. And the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed. This idea of seeing the linen, if there was nothing there, then you you could say, well, somebody stole his body. Right? That's obvious. But the linens were there. The very wrappings, that's bizarre. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their home. So that's an important line. They did not yet understand. Folks, as Mary Magdalene said in the video, they're going to share the message, but not everybody's going to believe, and they were warned about that. Same thing here. They had all this evidence. They, they had three years with Jesus in ministry, watched the dead come to life, healed people, fully restored. Seriously, water to wine? What a way to start a ministry. They saw all that and still did not fully understand why. Same thing we talked about earlier. The Holy Spirit hadn't let them see yet. And I think the joy of having this recorded gives us hope that if we don't get it, it's like, you're normal. It's okay. Even the disciples who lived it out didn't get it. That's really good news. Jesus is going to wake us up to make us believe if it's true or not. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb 
And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying. One at the head, the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? As if, like, they knew. She said to them, they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they've laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. There's that revelation again. You could be staring at truth bluntly in front of you, and the person beside you can see and go, why, why can't you understand this? But the other person can't. This is where we have to be patient, kind, and gracious to folks who see things differently than we do. We might be that blind person who can't see something. We need the same grace. We've got to be careful not to, you know, rocket launchers of, of, of statements of grace to shock people. It's unhelpful. It's unloving. But in kindness and gentleness, let the Holy Spirit do the work of revelation. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? That's the same thing the angel said. And Jesus clearly knows why she's weeping. It's very funny how, I don't know, to me, I, if you don't find the humor in it, that's fine. I think it's like, what are you doing? I'm trying to figure that out. For whom are you looking? Gee, he knew that one too. <laughs> Supposing him to be the gardener, she still doesn't see it, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. Hmm. Whatever that was, in that moment, that was the permission for revelation from his voice. Mary. Whoa. Eyes opened up, ears opened up, heart opened up, mind blown up. <gasps> it's Jesus. <laughs> she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbunai, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. Ooh, I like that line. And to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. What would you do? And how many times can you look back in your own life where you've read the same text over and over again, somebody you know has said the same phrase over and over again, you kind of go, you keep saying it, but I don't get it. And then one day, click. Like, whoa. How many times has that happened? It's happened to me many times. And I'm not done. There's so much more to learn and grow in. But for this story of who Jesus is, this is why we celebrate. This is why Easter is so important. First-hand witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus by people who knew him really well and clearly didn't recognize him. Do you remember the road to Amos? The two disciples are, or two people are chatting away and Jesus kind of shows up, kind of creepy behind, hey, and then they 
engage him in conversation. Jesus explained, this is, the best, I think, the most important conversation in Scripture that we have no record of, of any of the details. <laughs> Jesus explains everything from the beginning, explaining the covenants, the prophets, all of it was pointing to Jesus. And when they sat down and had dinner with Jesus, and he broke the bread, guess what? It was like the Mary moment. Suddenly their eyes were open, and it's like, Jesus, and guess what he does? He does a funky Casper trick, disappears. He's gone. Now, the wow that it's Jesus, but then even more double wow, but ah, where'd he go? <laughs> He's gone. Like, that'd be freaky tiki. It wouldn't be to me. It'd be to you too. Boy, how many times have I prayed as a kid, can I have one of those episodes? Jesus, can you have an angel show up? I'd just believe so much better if just an angel would show up. I would really believe you. And all the, the uh, bargaining with God, if you do that, then I'll do that. I just did that. Oh my goodness, yeah. I didn't need to. Grace was in me. I didn't know it. But it's taken me 52 and almost 53 years to even have the, uh, to understand the revelation that I've been given. And I'm praying for much more. There's more unpacking, more unveiling to come. And what this does, it makes Jesus bigger and better. It makes the Father bigger and better. It makes the Holy Spirit even more amazing. It makes the Trinity, oh my goodness, pure love. If your concept of God isn't getting bigger and better, you're not learning right. If it's not making you a more loving person, you're not doing it right. <laughs> Mary was a great example. Loved, served, gave. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, for those that need in the moment of their stress. And I'm sure Mary had the same stress as she watched her Lord die. I can't imagine her breathing cries to you. And then he died. But boy, you sure blew off, blew off her socks on that wonderful morning. Lord, remind us, those that are in those stressful moments now, that you want to lead us to a place of rest and peace in our mind. Please draw us to that place. For those of us who are stuck in a spin cycle, can you unplug the machine for us because we can't reach? Be our peace. Be our wisdom. May we learn to focus on you and calling your name every day second as we breathe. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Couple reminders. See you next Sunday. If you're not on our email list, let me know and we'll add you. Uh, on do online donations can be made to e-transfer to that email address or uh, go onto our website and just make a donation there. Um, and then next Sunday... Felix's big day. That's all I'll tell you. <laughs> but he's not in the Bible. Well, maybe. That's all I'll tell you. There we go. Teaser.
that's it. Uh, Jim Willard, hello, and thank you for chiming in there at the end. And um, uh, those that may have jumped in uh, since we started, great, great to see you there. That's it, folks. Have a really great day. See you next Sunday.